For as long as I've known the NBA, it's been a stars league. But even among the stars, there's an exclusive club. Russell, Dr. J, Jordan, Kobe. They're all part of a select group that paved the way for the NBA superstar of today. And some even shared secrets with each other along the way. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Jackie McMullen, and this is the Icons Club. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by USAA Homeowners Insurance. USAA has homeowners insurance that could lead the league in assists. Serving our military veterans and their eligible family members, USAA delivers award-winning service and peace of mind. And if you file a claim, the process is transparent and easy, and you can do it all right in the USAA app. Tap the banner or visit usaa.com slash homeowners to learn more and get a quote. Restrictions apply. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining me as he does every Friday from the ringer.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Blizzarian, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Cannabis, Kevin! <laughs> Berto, what's going on on this Thursday night when we're recording here? How you doing? Well, we are recording late Thursday night. And I am sad to report to you, Kevin, my bracket is already destroyed. <laughs> Iowa, Kentucky. I believed, I believed in Iowa and uh, Keegan Murray, and that was a bad call. Kentucky, I mean, I was looking for teams with pros. You know, people watch this <laughs> NCAA tournament in, there's always a faction that have their own favorite team, of course. There's a lot of NBA fans and a lot of listeners of this pod that watch it to see the prospects. They look at your draft guide that goes up on the ringer, which just dropped this week, perfect timing, right before the NCAA tournament. At nbadraft.theringer.com if you want to browse while listening to the mismatch. There you go. (laughs) And you can look at all those different players and you can see uh, a lot of them involved in the NCAA tournament this year. I was very, very happy about that. And if you're not paying attention to college basketball throughout the year, people use this as an opportunity to see these guys. And so I go out of my way to watch Chet Holmgren playing. And I go out of my way to watch David Roddy for Colorado State, who I see in <laughs> some mock drafts. And I go out of, and, and John Hollinger mentioned on the uh, podcast yeah. with us yep. earlier uh, this week. And, and, and the list goes on and on and on. 
of guys that then you seek out to watch. And also in, you know, in, in picking a bracket, in the end, I know that typically the talent wins out. Um, there have been some weird teams in college basketball history, like the Shabazz Napier team didn't wasn't loaded with pros, but that was that was kind of like the you know early two thousands Pistons, you know that won. It's like yeah, okay, they didn't have a bona fide first ballot Hall of Famer superstar. And they won a title, but generally you need that guy. And same thing goes to college basketball. You usually got two or three, at minimum, pros, like guys that play in the NBA, even that Virginia team. It's like two or three pros. Uh, you could go back to even like that North Carolina team that wasn't that good, the Joe Barry team with Luke May. Like they had, you know, Theo Pinson, uh, you know, who's played in the NBA and Tony Bradley, who's played in the NBA. They had two or three on there. And so I try to just find the teams that have a bunch of talent to go forward, which leads me to Kentucky. <laughs> oh, my and, God. A Coach Cal coach team losing early what? in the tournament again, failing to have any type of offense against the, the zone. Couldn't do anything. Up eight, three minutes to go. Up eight, three minutes to go in the game, and they lose to Saint Peter's, which this is this is why we love the NCAA tournament. I've never heard of the Saint Peter's Peacocks in my life. <laughs> and then in my in, life, and then, and then you fall in love with the coach after the game. Right? Oh, he's great. Yeah. What was that quote? Holloway, right? Yeah, Holloway. So after the game, he was asked, "Do you ever get nervous?" And he's like, "Nah, for what? It's basketball." <laughs> it was just just a great quote, the way he yep. delivered it. Um, yeah, St. Peter's was awesome down the stretch of that game. And Kentucky, man, like, Wheeler couldn't throw an entry pass to the post. Ty Ty Washington, the whole game just seemed off. And he was the guy that's been kind of like, keeping them calm, running their offense the whole year. And he wasn't getting touches down the stretch. It was just a, a, a really strange, like a strange day of college basketball. But that was a strange game, especially. It was. And that can hurt draft stock just because you're not under the bright lights anymore. And a lot of other guys are. And you underwhelmed when it mattered most. I'll tell you this. Man, I take old Oscar. Holy moly. Kevin, that dude is a beast. I don't know what he projects as in the NBA. But I'll tell you this. He's going to grab rebounds against anybody. I mean, he had like four guys on him. He had, I think he ended with 30 and 17 or something like that on a team that doesn't even know what the hell they're doing. He had 30 points, 16 rebounds, uh, 8 of 12 free throws, 11 of 16 from the field, two steals, two blocks, two assists. Yeah, he was a Yo, absolute monster. Give me that guy was in like a good culture with some good coaches and I take him and I, I just figure it out because you know, he's got the motor and he is he is downright dominant then at times. You know what he reminds me of, like in terms of college prospects, and this like it's another Kentucky player, but Jared Vanderbilt was also an absurd rebounder mm. at the same school, and he's he's having a historic rebounding season 
at the same school. And Vanderbilt had some of the similar questions about him entering the NBA. And yet he's a, an important player on a, you know, a pretty good team, you know, at certain points this season. So, I mean, with Jared Vanderbilt, there is a, a road to success for a guy like Oscar. Well, and rebounding translates, Kevin. It re- it translates. The guy is just, he's got a gift. He has a gift for rebounding the basketball. And he's got to, he's got to be better defending against wings, guards. And today's NBA, like being able to defend on the outside is of the utmost importance. But I mean, but he's not athletically deficient. No, he's not. Like, how many guys have we talked about in the past? Even, even when, you know, I don't know, who's, who's a super versatile big man defender? Bam Adebayo. Bam, another Kentucky guy. Another Kentucky guy. Bam. Who was not this good there. Exactly. But he became it. Yep. He became it through his training, improving his athleticism, everything. All all that goes into strength and conditioning in the NBA is on another level from what anywhere else in the world does, any any other league. So if you're in the right situation, yes, you can improve. And so maybe, yeah, he's got a shot. I didn't have him in my top 30 in the first edition of the draft guide we released. Um, we'll see if he ends it up up there. But I like I'm roughly on my board, he's like in high thirties right now. But we'll see. That could change. He'll be in the first round. Would not that shock. would be my prediction. It's still so early, man. Like rankings, He'll be in the first round. rankings at this point. Look, are, they just man. got knocked out by St. Peter's, and I walked away being like, "Damn, this guy, <laughs> this guy goes." But too bad for too too too. It's it's it sucks from an NBA perspective when NBA prospects get get knocked out early. You bring but, up, but upsets bam. are fun. <laughs> you bring up Bam. I was at I I was at the tournament where De'Aaron Fox just absolutely maimed Lonzo. But then they got knocked out by that Luke May shot, the famous Luke May shot. I was in the arena for that. And you think back, and that team was like De'Aaron Fox, Malik Monk, Bam out of bio. Like, this guy's got so much talent all the time. It's unbelievable. And they lost to that friggin' Justin Jackson, Luke May, North Carolina team. <laughs> at the buzzer, no less. Yeah. In that game. I was at that game. Um, and Bam was not that, you know, not and you see time. what he's become special, special talent himself. So anyways, players can wh- change while we're talking about the prospects. The Chet show. Oh, boy. You know how many people tuned in to watch him. And you're probably thinking as you're watching this game, at least I was. What the hell is going on? Georgia State. <laughs> is like right there with them for like 30 minutes of the game. And then Gonzaga just cranks it up. He cranks it up. And next thing you know, Gonzaga, you know, runs out on him completely. And it, and, and you look at the final score for anybody that watched the game, I think it was like a four point game with eight minutes to go. I mean, I'm sitting there watching it like, what the hell is going on with Gonzaga? And, Chet, you see the numbers that he tallies. It's like 19 points, 17 rebounds, seven blocks at one point. I don't know what the final counting stats were. What did he end up with in the game? The last I saw, it was like 19, 17, seven, four assists, two steals. You're close. You're really okay. close. He had okay. 19, 19 points, 17 rebounds, seven blocks, five assists, two steals, including that nasty play. Oh, he kind of reached over and then took the ball the other way for the layout. The dude's nasty, man. The the assists, some of the assists that he had in the game, I felt 
because sometimes you hear about chat people say, oh, he's not necessarily a creator. He was a creator in high school. He's not a creator at the college level because so much of their offense runs through Timmy. But he had this pass around the time that run started. You mentioned in the second half, like 10, 11 minutes left, where he drove into the middle of the paint, spun back to his left, and was really well defended. But he drew like three defenders and immediately, instantly kicked the ball out for a wide open three. And it's like, okay, that's what we're going to see from him in the NBA. A seven-footer who can attack off the dribble and do spin moves and draw help defense and then find people with an open pass. That's the next level of a guy who's already potentially uh, a defensive player of the year candidate and a seven-footer who can shoot threes. Like, that's the next step, which is why he's number one on my board. Little stuff like that all adds up. And he's not even, it's not even just the kickouts. Like, yeah. you figure in the NBA, he throws the ball, and they do as a team. They get the ball down to, like, what would be the dunker spot just for, like, almost like post-up layups. Like, those are dunks in the NBA. They, like, they have, they should call it the layup spot for Gonzaga <laughs> because they just get it along that baseline and then they get great position and end up laying it in. Um, man, he is, he is so damn good in the open floor for his size. He really is. Like, watching him and watching the kid at Auburn, Jabari, and some of these, I just cannot believe the way these guys move at seven feet tall and just the insane level of skill they have. You know, with the way their handle is, the way the shot looks, and you just figure, man, oh, man, this guy, to come in and be that awesome as a freshman is not easy either. Yeah. You're, you've got to be a special talent to be able to be dominant as a freshman. I mean, how about, you know, like we even saw in the first half of that game when things weren't going well for Gonzaga, but Drew Timmy ran a pick and roll with Chet Holmgren screening for him and threw a lob that Chet Holmgren guided into the basket with his left hand. And it's like, oh, in the right situation, you know, you're going to see Chet Holmgren in an exact situation like that with two bigs running, you know, running pick and roll. Like remember years ago when the Pelicans had AD and DeMarcus Cousins, and they did that for a little while. It just, it just made me think about that. Some of the, the early success of like the, these highly skilled bigs who can do what guards do and do it at a high level. And you know, I know that Memphis team very, very well. Oh, yeah. That some, was excited for that one. Yeah. Some rough and tumble dudes. So, and, and look, they got that athletes. That team got tough, man. After the slow start, yep. Memphis got tough. And they've got athletes, and they've got a, potential lottery pick themselves in Jalen Duran and their power forward is DeAndre Williams who's 25 years old he's 25 <laughs> he's older than Devin Booker all right I, I don't ask me to explain it isn't that but crazy all I'm saying is <laughs> if your question is yeah well how's Chet Holmgren gonna look when he has to go up against you know, NBA-level athletes, and how's he going to look when he has to go up against some guys with some muscles, uh, you know, because that's, you know, his frame is something he gets beat up about. Like, look, we're about to find out because I'm telling you, look, you if you never, if anybody out there hadn't seen Jalen Duran, Duran looks like a damn mini Dwight Howard. I cannot <laughs> believe he's 18. This dude has muscles on muscles on muscles. He's barrel-chested. He's huge. He's and absolutely super huge. athletic too. So oh. athletic. He explodes when he leaps. Freako. 
Yeah. And and like I said, uh, DeAndre Williams is literally a full-grown man. So you're about to find out how Chet Holmgren holds up against some of the things that people wonder how he can hold up against, which is real size, real... Because I promise you, you could throw Jalen Duran in an NBA jersey tomorrow night and he would look... He wouldn't look out of place at all. Yeah, he, he'd fit in that. And in fact, he'd have one of the best physiques on the team and on any team. <laughs> He's, it's ridiculous. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't need the strength and conditioning help. <laughs> no. NBA. He, he just needs some time for skill development over, over the course of time. It's like different. It's amazing how different it is for every prospect in terms of what the strengths and weaknesses are and what they need to work on. But with like Duran, like he, he's. We talked. We, we were just talking about like defensive versatility. Well, think about what he, when we say he doesn't need to improve athletically, but he will. He will get better. He'll get nimbler. He'll, he'll, his hips will move quicker. He'll change directions quicker. And he has the natural ability to become one of those highly versatile on-ball defenders that can switch across positions over the course of time as he continues to improve. I mean, like he could be absolutely absurd on defense. Yeah, and they got guards that'll scrape the ball away from you. I mean, they're they they can get after it now. You're, pick, so, you're picking Zagabell, right? Absolutely, Over Memphis. Yeah, absolutely. Were you I mean, surprised I, to see Bates get in there today? Three minutes, hit hit a shot. Absolutely shocked. Yeah, absolutely shocked. W- wouldn't it be cool if he had a moment after this crappy season? If he had a moment, yes, it would be cool. I mean, that would be like a this is March moment if if. Imani Bates hits like a major three down the stretch or, you know, hits a pull-up jumper, isolation. Like, I don't know. You never know. You can't rule it out. It's so funny you say that because I was watching. I'm going to admit this. I saw somebody post, hey, on CBS Sports Network, they're running John Calipari's press conference and I had to flip it on. I just had to watch it. Oh, yeah? I had to see it. (laughs) I swear to God, one of the questions was about was it possible that Shaden Sharp could have played in this game? He <laughs> was like, oh, bro, you just lost to fucking St. Peter's. Like, <laughs> Well, what did he say? I was curious. What did he oh, say? Oh, we had a discussion, you know, a couple weeks ago and, you know, just mealy-mouthed about it. Like, don't know if he would have been able to help us. And It's not too bad you know. we didn't get to see Shaden Sharp this year. I really love Shaden it, I Sharp. Mean, yeah, yes, yes, it is too bad. But yeah. on the other hand, like, it's not the reason that she lost to St. Peter's. Yeah, it's a it's a cool question, but it's like, oh, he would have saved the day. You lost to St. Peter's. It's not like you you didn't just you didn't just lose to Gonzaga. I mean, the, he thing, the, the thing with Coach Cal is like he's the same guy that didn't let Cat shoot threes. Devin Booker didn't run pick and roll. I mean, like it's happened time and time again with his pros, top NBA prospects over the years. Where even if he did have Shaden Sharp, it doesn't mean that he would have been empowered in a role that could have led to you know maximum production. Coach Cal has proven that time and time again, unfortunately. And also, they, they couldn't beat the zone. They couldn't beat the zone. Oh, my God. Oh, that's what he said. Just couldn't get him to throw it in the middle. Um, look, I am so excited to watch so many of these teams. We had a very, very, very good first day. And now I'm excited to watch. And, and maybe some of these other guys that can put their name into the hat. Uh, you know, some of these small school guys that could possibly put their name into the hats. I love Teddy Buckets at New Mexico State. Just the whole thing. I just absolutely loved it. He was conference player of the year. I saw Mike Schmidt oh, that tweet, tweet out yes, yeah. that uh, that 
uh, Teddy Buckets went up to him in the middle of a, uh, when he went there to watch a game. And he said, you know, I'm one of those guys. Yeah. Watch I'm, me all I'm, year. He said, watch me all year. I'm one of them ones. I promise. <laughs> during a dead ball mid game walked over during uh New Mexico State Davidson. That's uh Teddy Mike, Sch- Mike Schmitz tweeted out. Mike Schmitz. Yep. Mike Schmitz is the man. Yep. Uh so anyways, super excited to watch all of these different prospects as it goes on, but my bracket went to absolute crap. Um there I think was... everybody's did. Who's been in? Unless unless like Roger Sherman tweeted out earlier, unless you pick the mascots, good luck to you. Peacocks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> spiders, Richmond. Spiders too, exactly, yeah. That was a pretty good one too. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. There's only one NBA game, and poor Sadiq Bay. Yeah, no, nobody cares today because it's all about March Madness. <laughs> Pistons Magic, 51! 51! 51 points for <laughs> Sadiq Bay. He was nasty. Did you see some of the pull-ups he's hitting off the dribble? It's like, damn, dude. He's been doing it all year, but doing it at this level, you know, that really interesting too, because we've talked about this before about how, you know, he really impressed as a rookie for sure. And sometimes there is that lull that goes on because you only get to take the league by surprise one time through. And so you do it the one time. And then the next time I always talk about where your name is on the chalkboard. And you're an afterthought. And then the real, the real ones are the ones that can progress and progress. And like, cause the next time around, you're now on that scouting report and they know what you want to do. There's a book on you. And so now it is run this guy off the three point line, see what else he could do. Like there's, and so now you've got to adjust as an NBA player. And some guys just don't, right? Some guys, their best years are their rookie years. That's not nearly as uncommon as you would think that your first time through is actually when you find a lot of success because as time goes on, the NBA gets a book on you and then that's what weeds them out. That's the guys that are going to have long careers and the guys that are going to be something more than maybe even what they appeared to be in their rookie years. and. I got, let me tell you something about Sadiq Bey. I saw him in person earlier this year and he was one of those this year that, you know, I've, I've referenced many times to you, Kev, about seeing guys in person and like there's some guys that you're just, you're shocked when you end up getting around them. That dude, is big. Yeah, he's big. Very tall. Big. Wi- wi- wide guy. frame. Big, no. big wide shoulders. Yeah. He is so, I guess I just had in my mind, like, you know, wing player, tall, you know, maybe a little lanky. He is a big dude. Um, 
And it was shocking to me when I walked up on him. Just, I, I don't know, like, I guess my perception versus what he actually looks like when you see him in person. Very, he got big muscles. I mean, the guy's big, man. Sadiq Bay. Um, he's skilled too, man. Yes. Like, like it's crazy. Yes, he's a it's bucket. Crazy. It's, I mean, he's out of Villanova, uh, projected as a, as a safe bet to be a three and D guy. Yeah. Uh, and you see, you see a little bit of flashes off the dribble at Nova. Uh, but to see what he's turned into in such a short amount of time in the NBA, it's really a testament to the amount of work that he's put in as a player to get so much better off the bounce where he's hitting step-back three-pointers against a really good rookie defender in Franz Wagner, and he's hitting turnarounds from the posts on the left block, and he's hitting screens, running hard to his right, shooting right off the catch. It's like the amount of skill level that he has with these the, the diversity and the amount of shots that he can take is so wide. And for Detroit, look, man, you know, they're, they're, this season, they're not a good team. They're not, Lots, but it gets, it's exciting now it's because exciting. they got yep. two things to really get excited exactly. about. You, you, exactly. You might, you might have had some misses or some worries, you know, in terms of your youth. Like Killian Hayes has not worked out so far. Other guys have not. But you get Sadiq Bey, who looks like, potentially one of the league's better 3 and D guys because he's more than a 3 and D guy. And then you get Kay Cunningham, who already runs the offense like a, you know, a seven-year NBA veteran in terms of the control and the command he has in the pick and roll. So with those two guys, and even though right now you're one and a half games back from Houston and Orlando for the top lottery odds, you're still at 14% with them for the number one pick. You still are at 52% for the top four. You're just not in that one slot, and you get a heck of a lot to feel good about, too, on yeah. top of that. Yeah, uh, well, especially because what you want to do is compile a bunch of guys that are kind of in the same age range, same trajectory, and then you can fill in the gaps around that. But yeah. you, you know, you got at least two, and then you hope that either one of these other young guys that you really, you know, progresses, that you really want to believe in, but in terms of putting a core together, like, okay, here's guys, and, and, and there's at least two absolutes that can be part of your young core to build out around. And they should have kept Bruce Brown. You know, they should have. Now that I think about it, there's never been another guy that could have fit with this. Because um, they, they actually did hit I, that one I, I, in the draft. I, yeah, but they, they weren't using him the way Brooklyn I get him. it, but you know Bro- not- Brooklyn, Brooklyn with the guard screening, like it, it's so much different than what he was being asked to do in Detroit. I, I like if anything, I, I with Detroit, it was sort of just not a basketball fit and or just a, a misevaluation in terms of imagining what his role could be. But for Bruce Brown to be what he is, it requires having Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Maybe like that's so what, that's what empowers him to to be the guard screener that he is. But maybe he'd be pretty good with Cunningham and Bay now. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but maybe they don't use him that way, yeah. and it's just you maximize Bruce Brown what yeah. he's doing. I, I think I think the reason why I say that about Brown is just because like I, I the guys like him, it's so much situation and, and opportunity. He's a role I, I mean, player. I mean that that relates to what we've been talking about, Chris, with the NBA draft. So many of these players are going to come in as rookies, and their success or failure early in their career is going to depend on you know their circumstances with their teammates the system, how the coaching staff use him. There's so much stuff that's out of their control 
that they could fail with their first team. And then it's not until you're with your second team or sometimes your third team where you're in the perfect situation with the types of players and the type of system that complements and enhances your game in the appropriate way. It's, it's what makes it really, really hard with the NBA drafts. Kevin, since we last spoke, there was a monster injury in the NBA, and that was Steph Curry, which just happened on Wednesday night. Marcus Smart dives for a loose ball. Curry's leg gets trapped. He ends up tearing some ligaments. Um, thank goodness nothing serious, 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 like a surgery requiring injury or something like that. You see Steve Kerr barking at Marcus during the game, uh, being upset about the play. Um, and then, of course, the news comes out that Curry's going to be out for some time. There seems to be some very hopeful news that he would be able to be back by the playoffs. That doesn't necessarily happen. Uh, help them in terms of seeding and any kind of race for seeding. Um, but that is so far secondary to just having him healthy and available uh, by the playoffs. I mean, that's all anybody's concerned with. But let's backtrack. What do you think about Kerr uh, being upset with Marcus? I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't think it was necessarily a, a dirty play. I understand why you're mad about it, and I understand why you defend your players. I think... You know, that's something that any any coach would do in that situation. Maybe so. Maybe he would. Kerr needs to be a little bit, Kerr, Kerr needs to be a little bit careful though, to me. Because because Draymond Green's on his team. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, Dr- that's didn't Draymond, why. Didn't Draymond? That's why. <laughs> that's like why. Like what too? do you mean? Why? Why does he need to be careful? Because he coaches Draymond Green. Because you live in the gray area too. When you you know, with Draymond Green. And well, so the, it could happen. Draymond himself said it last night. I mean, he... he Might be unnecessary. That's yeah, all he said. Dr- Draymond, no, Dr- this is the full quote. This is from Jared Weiss from The Athletic. I can't call it a dirty play. I would say it's an unnecessary dive. If you said someone on the Celtics team dove for the ball, I'd tell you right away Marcus Smart dove for it. I saw the kick, but shit happens. I've kicked somebody before. It is what it is. That's what Draymond said, according to Jared Weiss, uh, who yeah. was there post-game. Yeah, because he kicked Clay Thompson. <laughs> I mean, yeah. there's the, the two plays in succession made it a little bit worse. But, I mean, I, look, I don't view Marcus Smart in the same way that I view, like, Pat Bev. Like, I think Pat Bev does things that can hurt people. I mean, he slapped LeBron on the ass the other night after... <laughs> Well, well, and he After obviously he hurt, his face. <laughs> he hurt Russell Westbrook's feelings. Yes, There's no question about yeah, that. He certainly did. Yeah, he probably I mean, hurt. But but cut, there have cut, been very, cut very deep. He also hurt Russell Westbrook mm. once upon a time, and might have ruined their chance at a real title run that year um, by diving at him. And I mean, you saw it. You know, he went and pushed. Chris Paul in the back after he got beat last year. I mean, Pep, I don't, I don't view Mark. I, Marcus Smart is a dog, and Marcus Smart plays hard, and that's a loose ball. And I want guys on my team that are willing to dive for loose balls. And I'm oh, sorry no that Curry got caught caught in the crosshairs, but I don't think in any way that Marcus Smart had any other ideas except for ball on the ground. I'm taught go get that ball on the ground. Hundred percent. I mean, you you can see he's it playing the, hard. Yeah, I'm sorry that you got caught in the crosshairs, but that's an accident. That's yeah, not exactly. 
That's an accident. It, it was an accident. He dove for the loose ball. It was, it was a great play. And then he immediately tried to pass it to Jason Tatum. And no, I, like, I mean, I, and I, 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 look, I, 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 once upon a time, CJ McCollum broke Mike Conley's face. His friggin' face broke. And I, I'm here to tell you that even though CJ McCollum has been a bonafide Grizz killer, like he, the guy, you could, you could put CJ McCollum versus the Grizzlies in any game and he'd score 45 points. He, like, no matter what jerseys get on, no matter what the circumstances, the guy has always been awesome against Memphis. But nobody blamed him for Mike Conley's, you know, like stuff like that. It sucks. It happens. It was so wildly, obviously unintentional. And that's kind of how I viewed the smart thing last night. Sucks, man. But I don't think he's, I I don't think it even, like there are some guys that do things that absolutely could hurt an individual. And I think they don't even care if it could hurt an individual. But if anybody has ever, Marcus Smart's got a track record of playing that way. And you even, Kerr after the game totally walked it back. He really did. He walked it back after the game. And then, and then talked about how, you know, I'd love to coach Marcus Smart, Marcus Smart's a warrior and whatever. It's, it's I mean, not, he kind of walked it back. It's just I think he's the moment, right? It's just unfortunate. That's all. I mean, it's just unfortunate. Like, it's an unfortunate situation. It sucks that Steph is going to be out. It sucks that, you know, Clay Thompson comes back, then Draymond hurts his back, then Draymond comes back, and then Steph gets hurt. Like, it just sucks. It sucks. It was so nice seeing those guys embrace at the end of the game. And now one of them is out again. It just sucks. It's disappointing. It really is. Like, it really sucks. I love watching those guys play basketball together. And now we can't again until the, uh, maybe late in the season, maybe early in the playoffs. We don't know. Well, and you figure they've got a big enough lead that, so they're probably, they're probably not getting to two. That's probably going to be the Grizzlies that get that two seed. Congratulations, um, Chris. How do you feel about that? You feel good? With the way it looks right now, that is an infinitely better position to be in. Oh, yeah. Than three is. Yeah. Um, They've got a three and a half game lead over Utah. So I don't think they're in any jeopardy of dropping any further. You know, we're getting to that point in the season where... Are you sure, though? No Steph? No it's Steph? Only, it's 12 games, Kev. I know, but no Steph? I'm just I'm just pushing back here a little bit, Chris. Are you sure they have a, a road trip coming up, but it's against some iffy teams? I mean, Orlando, Miami will be tough. Atlanta could be tough, but John Collins is out as well now. Washington, then you got Memphis at the end of that trip. Then there's Phoenix and Utah. Like they have some tough games. If they didn't have Draymond back, I would feel differently. Again, with only 12 games left, with a three and a half game lead, you got to get that other team. Oh yeah, to, totally. I mean, that other team and that other team either. I, I would actually be most worried probably about Dallas. Dallas, exactly. Dallas is also only three and a half back, and they're they have the second best record in basketball since December 31st. As I, you know, we, me and Dan Devine talked about Dallas um, the void this week, and just talking about basketball. Obviously, that story came out today that we'll talk about in a little bit. But um, Dallas is on fire, man. Like you, I, 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 I don't think you can rule it out. Would I pick the Golden State Warriors to slide down to the four or the five? No. Because that, for the exact reason you're saying, but no Steph. I know, I mean, but some let's, of those teams, uh, look, man, look, like, 
it's just a question of if you go 500, let's say you go 500, right? Yeah. I mean, Dallas even going nine and two in their last 11 doesn't get you there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's tough. It's hard. Three and a half it's with unlikely. 12 to go. You really got a crater. And the other team has to, like, not lose at all. You know, for that to get flipped. So I think they're pretty safe. But the question is, who knows what happens with that six seed? Because, you know, you've got Utah, you've got Dallas. They're one, they're both one and a half up on Denver, but Denver's only one and a half up on Minnesota. And obviously, if you're Golden State, I guess what you'd be rooting for is for Minnesota to play you know, two games better than Denver the rest of the way and flip that. Next thing you know, Denver's a seven seed and now Memphis has got the booby prize. Yeah. I mean, or, that would be, or, or that's, why, the, that's when it can't, that, like Minnesota could, if Minnesota flipped it and somehow played two games better than Denver down the stretch here, which isn't, you know, they're nine and one in their last 10. They've been cracking. So, that would be the damnedest thing is if, you know, you're Memphis, you celebrate getting two and, oh, God, Minnesota flipped Denver and now oh, Denver's man. the friggin' seven seed. Wouldn't it be better if you compete all year to get the two seed, then you get to choose your first round opponent? Wouldn't that be so much better? <laughs> Instead of worrying about to get this, to be for this, it? this bullshit straddling in the standings, like, I don't know. If you give me the choice. But, well, I don't want to get into it again, but just give me the choice. Well, the, yeah, but, but then it takes away all of that fun. It takes away all of that. In some ways, in some ways, because no, I disagree. Because then you still have the the six seven race. You still have the teams that are. Fighting Why would I to care about that? Them. I don't even know who's playing. Be- because if you're Denver, you want to still hold on to the six seed. Because Why? if you're in the seven seed, then you need to win in the play in tournament. You want the six seed because then you avoid the play-in tournament. There's so still... that's going to get me excited about these games every night? Who's playing for the six seed? Yeah, why wouldn't it? Because they avoid, they avoid the play-in. They avoid, but they can still they get avoid... chosen. Yeah, they still could. I still don't know who their opponent is. Like The reason I like looking at the seeds is because I like seeing who would play who, dependent upon the way it shakes out i mean i've never right? liked that personally but you maybe, don't I've, no i've never been a big fan <laughs> not not no i haven't i've never the my Jack whole King- life my whole life i've always just been kind of annoyed by uh teams purposely losing games just to, because of seating yeah it's just you know i don't know i'd rather i'd rather the other way well, a lot know, of just, them purposely win games you you for uh, the seating the, too in the, in the past i've like i've been the type where it's like wake me up when we know who's gonna be where I don't know. I, I've I've just been less excited about that over the years. You don't look at the matchups all the time. Of course, of course, and I do. See who would be because, playing no, who? No, of course, because that's the rules of what the game is today. I'm just saying when it comes to what you're. I saying, think you're just defending this. No, no, no. Idea that you have, but the idea that these aren't a lot more fun because of the way it is right now is outrageous. If I'm not, if they're just going to choose at the end, then what do I care about any of this? Except for who's in. But yeah, exactly. Except for who's in that—that's the incentive. Is well, I mean, we you, know you pretty well who's in now. Seed, you in Mem- Memphis is fighting to choose before Golden State can. Golden State, despite their circumstances, 
is fighting for the opportunity to get the third choice instead of worrying about sliding down and potentially getting the toughest possible matchup because of their end season injury. I don't know. I just think there's a lot like every single team you can look at and say, oh, they have reason to move up in the standings, not reason to say, oh, actually, we'll drop these next two games because we'd rather get this team that's locked into this seed. That that to me is just silly. Well, I mean, I guess yeah. I guess there's reward in just choosing the easiest opponents you could possibly choose. But I do not, like the idea that you might up. have to you might have to go through the fire to be able to get there. No, not the best matchup. You're not picking it like, oh, this would be our best matchup. You're Which picking usually, it so somebody you think you can beat. Yeah, it, it's, well, you're trying actually you. to pick the worst matchup. <laughs> well, the best matchup for you, I mean, like, like yeah. The best so one how you. is that good for the viewer? How is that good for the fan? How is it not good for the fan? Because I'm getting a pick. You, you, you get that anyway, though. Like Phoenix, Phoenix is gonna face the eight seed. Wait, which is better? Me watching, uh, me watching whoever Phoenix play against possibly the Lakers or whoever, I guess whoever would be eight right now. So, um, whoever ends up in that eight spot, let's say Denver dropped down to it or whatever, Unlikely. or, or them just choosing, we want to play Minnesota because they have no playoff experience. I don't know. Then that means Denver. You, you don't know. You that, know. That, no, you but do I'm saying know. That, that means Denver's facing Golden State or Memphis or Utah or I don't know. Like there's another great series. Like, but I, no, I, I everybody is picking their easiest road in your yeah, but, scenario. But, 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 but as you said, though, if you pick that and you lose, it doesn't guarantee victory at all. It's just a, it's doesn't. But guarantee it's a lot better anything. chance of victory if you're picking your mm-hmm. opponent. Maybe, maybe it could. What do you mean maybe? Then what's the point maybe. of it? I don't know. It could. It, it what's, what's the, if it's not the, easier, the, the, then the what's po- the point The of point it? is the incentive of getting the first choice, of getting the pre- the preferred choice for your team and your organization. I know, but that's not good for the, the viewer. I'm a fan. I don't give a shit. I'm a fan. I want to watch the best. I, I just want to see how it plays out. I I'd don't care if it's I, a I, tough I be, matchup. I, I'd be curious. I mean, I, I don't think it's fair to say it just wouldn't be good for the viewer. I, it might not be good for the viewer. Maybe it turns out that it's bad to do something like this and that I'm dead wrong. I, I admit that, that it's possible. There are pros and cons to everything the league can do in terms of But you would changes. admit you're asking them, you, the reason that you're doing this is so the best teams can choose an easier opponent yeah, than I'm what trying, they I'm might trying, get. Yeah, I'm trying to give the regular season more meaning for every team in the entire league and you create some rivalries that over the course of time builds because you chose a team. There's no team rivalries in the NBA. I miss that. I think it sucks that there's no rivalries. I think it creates that. I want some animosity. I want some of that. To me, like that's what it can create, in addition to the fact that down the stretch of the season, teams are trying to win games to move up on the standings, to get first choice, to get a lock in the playoffs of the top six seed, to get an opportunity to win only one game in the play-in, to get an opportunity to be in the play-in. And then at the bottom to get higher draft lottery odds. Every team has incentive to move up or, you know, depending on how you want to look at it, with the lottery, move up or move down. <laughs> We're better lottery odds. <laughs> Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. USAA is insurance that could lead the league in assist. That's because bundling auto with home or renter's insurance saves you money. USAA understands the needs of our military, veterans, and their eligible family members, and they've got great rates and insurance options to meet them. See how much you can save. 
Tap the banner to learn more and get a quote at usaa.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So we do have, in the Eastern Conference right now, it feels like it's locked in. because yeah, those, those top as, 10, that's not changing. We have, it's a three, it's actually four and a half now between Atlanta and Washington. So Charlotte was able to hold on, Atlanta was able to hold on, and Toronto probably going to flip Cleveland and it's kind of wild because there's four that have really separated themselves in the Eastern Conference and Boston is one of those four. Um, you got Miami, like, you know, just last 10 games and you see the way these teams have performed down the stretch here. Miami, seven and three. Milwaukee, eight and two. Philly, seven and three. Boston, eight and two. And then Chicago, three and seven. Cleveland four and six, Brooklyn five and five, like, and then Toronto, who is trying to flip it on Cleveland to be able to not have to play in a play-in scenario, and poor Cleveland, who had just such a great season, and then it started with the Rubio thing, and then it happened with the, and then they went and got Rondo, and then he got hurt, and then of course the worst one, Jared Allen, um. They're such a great story all year, and it's just it's just gone the they, wrong way I mean, completely. They, they still are a great story, though. They are. They are. Yeah, they, they still are. They just, still have wildly know. overachieved. For sure. And I mean, like yep. the development of Darius Garland, Evan Mobley doing everything he's done on both ends of the court as a rookie. Kevin Isaac Love. Okoro, Kevin Love, you know, resurgence. Isaac Okoro having, you know, figuring out a role in this team and excelling. Yeah, they're, they're still a good story. And for Cavs fans, like like I, we talked about last week, they're undoubtedly going to slide down to seven. I'd be shocked if it didn't happen. Toronto is too good, too deep, too healthy. Uh, and the fact they just won five games in a row on the road, uh, like I talked about this on the void, but like 14 of their last 18 games Brutal. on the road. Brutal. Uh, they've spent four days in Toronto the la- like since the, the All-Star break. They, 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 they. This team, like, they're not necessarily going to beat some of the favorites, but don't you feel like Chris that they are a threat to at least make it a tough, deep series? Yeah, I mean, let's say they flip it with Cleveland. As of today, I know you don't like to do this, but we're going to do this. We're going to look at what their <laughs> matchup would be. I'm not saying I don't like to do it, Chris. <laughs> As I'm, of today, I don't. I'm not saying I don't like. Could like they it. win a couple? I, right I, now, I, they'd I'm be just, playing. It, it, I just prefer something else. That's okay. Uh, right now, they'd be playing Philly. Could they win a couple games against Philly? Yes. Could you push Philly to six? Yeah. Yeah. Their 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 home court advantage is real, and you got to remember, like a place like that, they hadn't seen playoff basketball in forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been a long time. That probably, I bet it. I bet Toronto will be a hornet's nest for the playoffs. They got all their guys healthy. They could win a couple games for sure. They win a couple games. I don't think they could beat any of those top four. But your question was, could they make it a series? Yeah, they're dangerous enough. And then if you caught an injury, 
they could catch you. They're good enough for that. I mean, once Nurse just started running these guys into the ground and playing his five, six best players 40 minutes a night, they got about, they, they're no, they don't have depth, but they do have, you know, they got good players one through seven. I don't know, man. I disagree. They have what? Depth. They no, have they depth don't. because they were winning games with Banton and McKayluke Mah- earlier this year and Wantanabe. And now those, those are the guys that aren't playing and the guys that are. I mean, getting Thad Young was a pretty good addition for their rotation. Precious Achua has been terrific for them recently. Boucher has figured things out. They, they get some guys on that bench. It's just they they lack the top end more than anything else. It's because they're the type of team It's a different guy every night. There's not like this premier superstar that's carrying your team. But I don't know. I, I think they have depth. It's just eight guys. And that and that's tough for the regular season. Like eight primary guys. But, they, you know, it's not like Banton and Svee weren't horrible. I mean, even last night, they beat the Clippers. You got Achua gets 26 minutes and Boucher gets 22 minutes off the bench. Dad Young got 12. They and don't play a, much. Yeah, this is like they, some, they don't play much. That's some uh, Nick Nurse it, channeling Tom Thibodeau. what Thib- he's doing. He's channeling Tom Thibodeau, right, with the heavy minutes. It's <laughs> what he's doing. I mean, I'm pretty sure. I remember uh, maybe about a month ago, we looked at the, the minutes. Minutes yeah. per game in the NBA and it was like three Raptors up top. Let me look to see what it is right now. Right now, Minutes per game. Number one, Fred Van Bleet, 38.1 minutes. Number two, Pascal Siakam, 37.6. Number five, OG Ananobi, who's out right now, 36.7. So, so forgive, r- me, forgive me if I don't want to hear about the depth. <laughs> three Raptors in the top five, four in the top 16, because then there's Scotty Barnes. I mean, they, they play minutes. But all I'm saying is that like, I don't think their bench sucks. Like a well, chew, man, a tell Nick good. Nurse. Tell Nick Nurse. Because the night before... Boucher got 20 minutes. Dad Young got 15. That's yeah, but, it. I mean, uh, but I want to say, like, I don't think seven playing, guys. I don't think playing your best players more necessarily means that the guys that are getting 22 minutes per game suck. That, that's all I'm saying. No, but he only plays seven. Yeah, I know. He, play, he plays seven players. He plays his best guys. I know. He does. I mean, I, 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 I wonder why. Maybe because he wants to succeed. Hey, maybe so. I maybe think that's he why he wants to get there. Yeah. I um, think he wants to succeed, which is why incentives help. And I think it's, <laughs> I, I think it's good enough. Um, I think it's good enough. I, I think it's good enough to win a couple of games. Yeah, in the playoffs, I do. Yeah, get it to six, something like that. Be that'd yeah. be a hell of an accomplishment if Toronto and this year, when they were un, un, unexpected by so many people, to be worth a damn to get into the playoffs. If you push a team to six, favorite. Oh, I said, look, beyond I, I, an accomplishment. I claimed earlier in the year, like where I did not, I said, when I went through their roster, I'm like, this is just not good enough. It's not good enough. I didn't know he was only going to play seven guys. If I knew he was willing to only play seven and he just play them 45 minutes a night, <laughs> I would have changed my projection on them because they do have, uh, he's pulled it off. I don't know if they'll be running to the ground by playoff time, but I do think they could win a couple games. Um, the West, you know, the Lakers being two and eight down the stretch, and then uh, New Orleans five and five. New Orleans is they're one and a half up on San Antonio. You can't imagine Portland's going to get there because they don't want to get there. 
Like they can't help themselves. They can't help Josh Hart. They gotta. They gotta tell Josh Hart to sit down. It's their yeah. only chance. Jo- Josh Hart, clearly a listener of force of le- nature. At, at least a listener of the Chris Vernon show. Force uh, of nature. <laughs> force of nature. Josh Hart. They're gonna have to sit him down, or else he's gonna drag their ass to the playoffs. Um, San Antonio. I watched Lonnie Walker hit that game winner. Uh, last night against Tanking Thunder. Yeah, against the Tanking Thunder, they're one and a half back from New Orleans, and I, I guess it, you know, at least it's putting some pressure on New Orleans. And San Antonio is not going to quit playing. So, yeah, I mean, Popovich wants to extend his lead. I know as the most wins all time for an NBA head coach. A big congratulations to him. We're about a week late, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are. Congrats, Pop. Congrats, Pop. <laughs> oh, by the way, why did Zion come in town? How about that one, just coming and going? Did he just come in because they were releasing his shoe and they needed to be able to have photos of him? <laughs> oh, like all the photos of him, like like with the dogs and all that? And we just store? haven't heard anything about it since. Yeah, I don't know. It's just the whole damn thing is so bizarre. It is strange. Like, he finally came back in town, and I was like, oh, shit, here we go. Mm-hmm. He's going to play basketball. Yeah, nope. He still could. He's Maybe. not going to play basketball. He might, like, he could. We'll every see. time I see a picture of him, he's, like, standing on the court in, a, like, a baggy warm-up shooting a free throw. <laughs> or he's at it, a did, restaurant. Did you, did you see, I know it's Skip Bayless, but Skip Bayless has been on point with everything regarding Kawhi Leonard and what Skip Bayless said in passing this week in context of talking about Ben Simmons. Out of nowhere, Skip says, I've been hearing Kawhi Leonard has been playing one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three, four-on-four, has even been doing some five-on-fives. Skip Bayless reported that this week. And Skip Bayless has been on top of everything with the Kawhi injury, where Kawhi is going, what's next for Kawhi Leonard. He's the only one in sports media, really. He really does. Way ahead of the Kawhi stuff. And I've been saying for months now, don't rule out Kawhi Leonard and Paul George returning late in the season. And I feel like... Yeah, it would not stun me if in this weird world we live in, Somebody in Kawhi's circle loves Skip Bayless oh, because he defended Uncle him. Dennis. He I, was a huge Spurs guarantee fan. It. Uncle Dennis, I guarantee you. I I guarantee it. Like I, I actually you know? believe Skip does talk to somebody oh, that would no know about, about Kawhi. No doubt about it. Hundred percent. No know? doubt about it. He has. I, he, he clearly has a. He source clearly in, has incredibly close to Kawhi Leonard, if not Kawhi himself. And, yep. and, and like maybe it's Kawhi who loves watching Skip Bayless. What maybe. if Kawhi loved like watching Stephen A. and Skip growing, you know, like when he was younger in his career? You never know. Like, what if he loves Skip? And I, I'm telling you though, you you can't rule out the potential. You talk about that two seed again. Talking choice here. If you know Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George aren't coming back, you nobody wants to face that team, dude. You do not want to face the Clippers no, with those guys. Hey, uh, the, the the West could get loaded pretty quickly. If you Murray, mentioned him Kawhi, in passing. All those guys come back. You mentioned him in passing. What about the Ben Simmons thing? Like, I guess he really does have a hurt back. Yeah, uh, we'll see what happens. Said so he got a shot. Yeah, I know an epidural shot. We'll see. But that's not a kid's game. No, that's a anti-inflammatory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what they give you when you're in labor? Mm-hmm. It's supposed to help you. You think he's feel. having a baby? 
Maybe. Maybe. Never know. Could be. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Go for the natural birth, Ben. But he, <laughs> he, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't. I, I was a C-section baby. <laughs> How about you, Chris? I I was I was not. Oh, you weren't? Okay. No. I was dropped yeah, on my I, head. I get, I get. <laughs> Mom shot me against the wall. Oh, uh, <laughs> Get you down. The umbilical cord just snapped when you got out. (laughs) So, no, so I guess he really does have a hurt back, and hopefully he's able to come for the playoffs too. Who the hell knows? I know this. I I laughed my ass off the other night when I did see a tweet come by. Forgive me, I can't remember who sent it, but it said, uh, Unvaxxed Kyrie is the best NBA player ever. (laughs) Wait, where was that? It was on Twitter. It came across my timeline. Because hey, it was the night he had the 60. I know you yeah. did a video about it. Bro, that was some like superhero stuff. Oh, it was incredible, wasn't it? Did you <laughs> like my video? Insanity. Did you like my video that I did? Yeah. Yeah, I thought I'd like it too. The reaction video. People can check that out on my Twitter. Because I, I didn't watch that game live, Chris. So I, I watched all the I watched all 60 of Kyrie's, you know, made uh, point points. And made baskets from a 60-point game live on camera. It was so fun. I had a great time. I it was started, amazing. <laughs> I started I started getting texts in the first half. Oh, yeah? When he was like at 34, 35. And then, of course, he had like 42 by halftime, I think it was. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, boy, are we on 81 watch? And, of course, he got pulled. He had eight minutes to go. He might could have gone for it. If that game was close... He he was doing anything he wanted on anything. the basketball court. He Transition. Been, he he could have at least gotten to seventy, maybe not eighty-one, but he could have at least gotten to seventy. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. He he had eight minutes and thirty-two seconds left when he got to sixty. And the last thing before we get out of here, this is not a comfortable story to talk about. There's a very public legal spat going on between Mark Cuban and Donnie Nelson. Donnie Nelson, who was in the front office for basketball ops for decades, you know, with the Mavs. Um, He was, you know, when you thought about the Mavs and their hierarchy, he's the basketball guy, right? And, of course, he, we had all those stories that came out about the Rick Carlisle and uh, Bob Volgaris and Donnie Nelson and all these, like all the infighting and all the toxicity that was going on in Dallas. And then, you know, they clean, they cleaned house, you know, and they brought in a new regime. Um, and then it drops that Donnie Nelson's got a lawsuit against Mark Cuban. And my first reaction as I saw this lawsuit against Mark Cuban was, oh boy, this is about to get bad. And that's even before I read it. The reason I thought it's going to get bad is because when I talk to people that I know in Dallas that have covered this situation, one of the things about that whole fallout was if there is like the bad ill will between these two parties, it could get really bad 
Like I had been told that before this ever happened. And so then when it happens, I'm thinking to myself, oh, because like evidently Donnie clearly did not have good feelings walking out the door, but everybody was just going to kind of go on with their lives. And now it appears they're not just going to go on with their lives. And the reason that it seemed like it could get bad was because if there's two guys in the world that know everything about each other, that have all the dirt on each other, it's Donnie Nelson and it's Mark Cuban. And this is like two superpowers pointing their nuclear weapons at each other. And that's how that felt. When I saw the first release, for those that don't know, Donnie Nelson is suing uh, Mark Cuban, the Mavs. And in the lawsuit, one of the things that it claims is that his nephew was the victim of sexual assault by Mark Cuban's right-hand man. Um, Maverick's chief, chief of staff, Jason Luton. Yeah. How, how Jason, do you pronounce his last name? Luton. Luton, okay. Yeah. Jason Luke. So, look. And also it alleges that Mark Cuban offered a $52 million set- settlement to Nelson to withdraw the, the the wrongful termination, and he wanted them to sign an NDA as well. That's what is alleged. And Donnie Nelson says, this is what happened. Mark Cuban says, this is totally false. And the Dallas Mavericks have come out with their own statement. And I think that people are bracing for a Mark Cuban statement, which may be out by the time that this pod drops. So there may have been already a real advancement in the story by the time you hear this podcast. But one of the things that was very, um, okay, look. Anybody can read this stuff. Uh, I think it was Don Venata, right? The, the, uh, that wrote it for ESPN. I believe so. Yeah. I guess he just had all the Jerry Jones stuff too. So he's got this whole story. Um, that story about the, the, the right hand man of Cuban and the nephew and this stuff, it, it mentions in that story that, uh, Luden is a gay man. From what I was told, that has never been known hmm. until tonight. When Donnie Nelson put that, he he was not out of the closet, as it were. Hmm. That has never been common knowledge. And so when we're talking about like nuclear weapons being pointed at each other and stuff like that, like this is his, this is Cuban's right hand man. And so like this story comes out and I, it even mentions that in the article. And that has never been, I mean, for people that even cover the Mavs or around the Mavs, he has not been, um, that is, that has never been revealed or that has not been, that, that hasn't been, he hasn't chosen to make that a public, his sexuality, a, a public, uh, matter. And so, that's when you know this thing is like, again, we have no idea what happened. We have no idea. But Mark Cuban, if he says 
that this is all a lie, which he has. Yeah. He said, this is all a lie. And this is somebody trying to write Nate Palm everything. You know, yep, he's yep. mad. He's mad he got fired. He's mad the way it went out. He hates this guy who's my right-hand man who helps run all of my businesses. And he's trying to burn everything to the ground. And he's coming up with this story about him, you know, because he knows that this is going to get printed and these accusations are just all false. And he, this is like extortion. This is extortion. I, that's what I bet he's going to say. That's what I'll bet. That Cuban will say that. Yeah. Like sometime maybe Friday or next week. Because you can't say like somebody's that. lying about all this shit. You can't. You can't say, he was very forceful. You see the statement? He's very forceful. This is a lie. Yeah, he, he didn't take part in this investigation. He's trying to recoup this yeah. money. Well, I mean, that, that's that's why like this thing is only at the beginning here. And as you oh, said, it's I mean, gonna like get the, worse because not saying. only that, like the in twenty eighteen, of course, the Sports Illustrated story about you know the misogyny, you know, sexual behavior right. uh, in the front office and everything that transpired after that. This is this is once again. Um, uh, another sign of an incredibly dysfunctional organization, at least uh, during a certain period of time. I mean, like we, we again, we don't know all the details. We're just learning of the story. Um, but this is another sign where it's also possible Cuban is digging his heels in here, and that's why he's coming out so forcefully. Because otherwise, he could be in trouble. Well, that's uh, that's know. what struck me is you for you to come out and say you're lying. This yeah, it's isn't all true. Yeah. This yeah. is not, this is all, this is a fantasy that you've made up to try to destroy us, to make us look terrible, because you know that it's going to make us look terrible, but this isn't so. And in the meantime, you just, you know, attempted to take my right-hand man's sexuality and make it a matter of public discourse, which that was not, that's not how he chose to live his life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like people yeah. didn't know. People didn't even know this. Yeah. I, we'll, we'll, I mean, ultimately, oh, we'll, it's a mess. We'll, I, I mean, I, a I, mess. I, like, like you said, like by the time people hear this podcast, it's very possible more stuff comes out by that point. I mean, I, I'd be a little bit surprised. We're recording, recording this. It's currently 9.20 p.m. Pacific time right now. As we're having this conversation, it won't shock me if in 12 hours, uh, you know, waking up to some news. Yeah, that's for sure. And like I told you at the very beginning of this, Kev, somebody told me if those guys ever do, like, get into a pissing match, that it's going to be, there's two guys that spent 20 years together. They know everything. Yeah. They got the dirt on each other. And so you saw, it's it's actually so sad that people could have such success and work together for so many years and now this is happening all in in public statements yeah. being released for people one guy saying this horrible thing happened to me and my family and the other saying that's not true and you're trying to you know like 
it didn't work out with us, but now you're trying to burn everything to the ground because you're mad. And it's like, oh boy. Yeah, we'll no see. Telling. We'll, we'll see what happens. Well, because you see, and, did yeah. you read their statement? It said in the end, we have chosen not to speak about why Donnie Nelson was fired. Yeah. It's like the, the ma- last in the, line. In the Maverick statement. Yeah. The That's Maver- a threat. The, the, the Maverick threat. Yeah, that the Maverick, is the last line. I'll read it. Um, Mr. Nelson is fully aware, as is the NBA, of the reasons for his termination at the end of the 2020-2021 season. The Mavs have always intended to hold private the inappropriate actions of Donnie Nelson that led to his termination. That's a threat. You're right. It's 100% a threat. And, you know, it's a response to what was in the complaint by the Nelson side where they said Cuban will be held to account for his lip service and false public persona and repeatedly ignoring and repeatedly covering up high-level executive sexual harassment and discrimination against Mavericks employees. Both, like, this is just getting started. Oh, And it, it's, you know, it, what, I mean, what, we'll find out, I'm sure, a, a lot of what actually happened. Um, but it's just, yeah. It's sad all, all the way all, around. All it's sad. It is, yeah. It's sad. All the way yeah. around. All right. Hopefully we end up with unbelievable NBA prospect performances in this NCAA tournament as we end on a lighter note at the NCAA tournament going on throughout the weekend. And we're going to get to see a lot of these guys in with the biggest spotlight on them that they've ever had. And I can't wait. I love the draft. I love the draft guy. By the way, let me just say this in all honesty, not just because we do the show with our friends. It looks great again. <laughs> Doesn't it, it look does. beautiful? The yeah, artwork's always great. Yeah. I, the interface is great. Works on best. my phone well too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even, even even have like you can listen to a clip from Upside High with Charks and Kyle Mann, or I'm sure at some point we'll we'll install some clips from our show uh, or The Void or whatever, like into that you know podcast. Ryan Russillo's show. He just had an opening segment talking about what he's learned on his show about uh, from NBA teams about some of the top guys. We should get that in there too. But um, yeah, the guy, the guide is gorgeous. The people who work on it do an unbelievable amount of hard work behind the scenes to make all of the guides we do have. And whether it's fantasy football, NFL draft guide, NBA draft guide, the food rankings, whatever it might Let be. Let me give they, you a little, they, uh, they, they bust their butts, man. Here, since you were talking about putting the audio clips in there, just have an audio clip of Kyle Mann crying under every Kentucky profile. Oh, yeah. I'd love that. That's his team. I'd love that. Yeah. And boy, he's got to just, <laughs> just like, okay, so I click on Ty Ty Washington and it's just Kyle Mann going, <laughs> or just a clip of him being like, damn it, Kyle. <laughs> Kyle Mann's the man. Isn't the he? man. Oh, trust me. I bought this damn microphone so I'd sound like him. Spotify and, won't expense that, Chris. No, and, th- and guess what? <laughs> and then I and then I realized it's his voice. <laughs> I thought it was the microphone. Hey, Kyle's got a great voice, doesn't he? He does. I thought yeah. I said I said what kind of microphone setup you got? Uh, early, he like early. sent me. He sent me the whole thing. I bought the thing. I went back and listened to it. I sound like the same idiot. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> shit. I uh, thought it was that you had an awesome mic. Last year, talking to Chris Ryan about like pod stuff, uh, you know, I was like, I think Kyle Man can host. He's do- he's doing great with Sharks, man. I- I'm I'm glad we kind of split up Ringer NBAU because Kyle and Sharks they kill it together. Kyle's such great. a good host. Sharks is so smart. Uh, I-, I love listening to those guys. I-, I don't listen to a ton of pods. I always try to check in on Upside High. It's gonna do it for our show. We'll be back on Tuesday. Thank you to our 
executive producer Jesse Lopez as always. And we will talk to you next week. Have a good one, everybody. And apologies to Murray State for their exciting overtime victory over the San Francisco Dons, another great college team. Congrats to John Moran. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.